parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is the fourth in a series I'm doing to support you this holiday season. So we've talked about self-care, about cultivating real gratitude. We've talked about why the holidays feel so stressful for us as parents, and I gave you six tips to actually stress less and hopefully enjoy the holidays a little bit more this year. And today, we're talking about Santa. So I wanted to just go ahead and let you know that if you have little ears listening, this is probably a great time to grab your earbuds or your headphones because we're going to talk about this whole topic in a way that you may or may not want your kids to hear. So that is my disclaimer. But before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to remind you that I have created an amazing free resource for you this holiday season, and it is my free holiday survival guide for parents. This guide is your all-in-one resource that covers all of the trickiest moments we might face as parents this holiday season. So for example, what do you do when you're around relatives who don't parent like you do? How do we help our child when we're at a gift exchange and they freeze up and don't say thank you? How do we navigate holiday meltdowns? What do we do when our child's schedule conflicts with our plans? All of this and more is in this guide. You can grab your copy today at raiseresilient.com forward slash holiday. Okay, so now that you're hopefully listening with earbuds or headphones, if that's your preference, I want to dive into the topic of Santa. So in today's episode, I want to answer questions like, should we do Santa with our kids? If we choose to do Santa, how do we do it in a way that feels respectful and aligned with our values? And I think the biggest question that comes up around this idea of doing Santa is this. Is it okay to lie to your child about Santa, to tell your child explicitly that Santa's real, to maybe even do some little things like eating half of the cookies that your child puts out for Santa to make it seem more real? Most of us, if we grew up in a household that did Santa, most of us grew up with families that tried to make us believe that Santa was real. But is that really okay? And what if you're someone who really values being that trusted caregiver that your child knows they can come to for anything and get the truth? What do you do then? Maybe you want to do Santa, but how do you do this in a way that feels aligned with your values? I also want to address what do you do when your child does start to question, is Santa real? How do you respond to that? And if you choose not to do Santa, or if you choose to do it in a way that doesn't present Santa as real, which I'm going to get into how to do that, if that's your choice, what do you do when your child goes to school and is faced with kids who do believe? How do we handle that? How do we teach our kids to handle that? So I want to cover all of that and then some in today's episode. So I want to start out with a story. Way back before my partner and I were married, before we had kids, we actually talked about whether or not we wanted to do the whole Santa Claus thing with our future kids. 
So I was surprised to find out that he was actually really against doing Santa. And there were really two reasons for this. The first was that he still remembers when he found out the truth about Santa Claus as a child, and that felt really disappointing for him. But the second, and maybe the most important reason that he shared was that he wanted to be a source of truth always for his kids. And he didn't want to overtly tell them something was real when it wasn't. That felt really wrong to him. So he felt pretty strongly about that. And I felt pretty strongly, but in the other direction. I remember Santa Claus as this wonderful, magical part of Christmases from my childhood. And maybe you can relate to this, but I just felt like I couldn't take that magic away from my future kids. That just felt wrong. And so I think I said something to the effect of, yeah, I hear you. And I actually agree with everything you're saying, but there's no way we're not doing Santa Claus. So we talked about it some more, but ultimately, I think my husband felt bad taking something away from me that felt really important. And so when we did ultimately have kids who were old enough to understand the concept of Santa, we went ahead and did Santa as usual. We had certain gifts that were from Santa. We had stockings that Santa filled. And we even bought the elf on the shelf, even though I swore to myself before I had kids that I would never do that. But we bought the elf on the shelf. I mean, we were all in. But as I watched my kids get into the magic and the fun around having the elf in the house and anticipating Santa's arrival, I started to think about what this experience was like for them. I started to think about how the line between fantasy and reality is so blurry in childhood. And that if we were presenting this as fact to our kids who are still learning about the world, they're learning about what's real and what's pretend. I started to wonder what was that going to be like for them when someday they eventually find out that mom and dad made up this game and presented it to them as real. I started to have a harder and harder time feeling okay about presenting all of this as fact. And so I talked with my partner about it. And ultimately last Christmas, we sat our kids down on the day when we decorated for Christmas and we had a talk with them. They were seven and four at the time. And of course my baby didn't understand. So we will eventually have the same conversation with her when she is old enough, but we sat them down and here's what we said. I said, you know what? You know how every year We have our elf, Zippy, who comes to our house, and then we get gifts from Santa Claus, and we talk about the elves and the North Pole, and they were like, yeah. And we said, well, you know, I think we've been sharing this with you as if Santa is a real person who lives somewhere in the North Pole and comes to visit us. And they nodded their heads. And we said, well, actually, here's the thing. Santa is much more like Spider-Man or Batman than he is like grandma or grandpa who we can go visit. What we mean by that is that Santa is a pretend figure from stories that families have passed down for generations. And at Christmas time, when we have our elf come visit and we decorate and we put food out for the reindeer and cookies out for Santa, we are playing a really fun make-believe game, just like you do when you dress up as Spider-Man or Batman. And they looked at us and they said, so does that mean that our elf is not real? And that if we touch her, she's not going to turn into a doll because she's already a doll. And I said, yeah, 
And then they said, well, what about the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny? Are they not real too? And we said, yeah, they're also make-believe characters from stories. It's a fun game that we play. We sat there with them for as long as they needed. We answered all of their questions. And then we asked them, we said, how are you feeling right now? And my seven-year-old at the time said, I do feel a little bit sad, but I also feel really glad that I know the truth. Now, I will point out here that my oldest tends to have this old soul kind of energy about him. And I was not at all surprised that that's the response that I got from him. Your child might have a different response if you were to share something similar. My four-year-old at the time, for example, just kind of sat there and took it in. Didn't really have a lot of questions at the time. And then he ran off to play as if we hadn't even had the conversation. But I definitely had some mixed feelings after we had this conversation. I felt really sad. I felt like we had taken something away from them. Even though I felt really convicted in my reasons for wanting to have the conversation, I still just had this kind of emotional hangover from having the conversation. And I felt like maybe we had made a big mistake. Maybe we had just robbed them of all of the Christmas magic for their entire childhoods. And oh my goodness, what have we done? So I kind of had this remorseful reaction after the conversation. But let me tell you how this has played out since then. So last Christmas, we did all the normal traditions. We got out the elf on the shelf. We moved the elf every night. On Christmas Eve, we put out cookies for Santa and carrots for the reindeer. And we even ate half of the cookies and the carrots to make it look like Santa had been there. And our kids still had the most magical and most wonderful Christmas. In fact, my seven-year-old said after Christmas that year that it was the best Christmas ever. And here's what's been interesting too, as we've kind of moved forward in the year since then. So for example, my five-year-old has lost several teeth this year. And so every time he gets so excited and he takes his tooth and he puts it in his special pillow that we have for the tooth fairy and he puts it in the special place. And every morning he is so excited. Mommy, the tooth fairy came. I got money. And at night before the tooth fairy comes, when he goes to sleep, he's even said things like, I'm going to stay up at night and I'm going to try to catch the tooth fairy. I want to see her take my tooth. And then he'll say, whispered, as if it's this fun little secret between us, I know the tooth fairy is really you. And then he'll giggle. So it has diminished absolutely zero joy or magic for my kids. And here's why I think that is. You know, our kids, especially from the ages of like three to seven, but honestly, all kids have this really amazing imagination. Again, that line between fantasy and reality is much more blurry than it is for us as adults. And so when we present Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy as these fun, but make-believe games that we all collectively play together as a family, our kids can really get into that and enjoy that. It's a lot like when you go to see a movie or you watch a show. There's a concept called the willing suspension of disbelief. We don't sit there the whole time we're watching the movie and say, oh, but that's an actor. Oh, that's not real. They're not really in love. Oh, that guy's not really climbing that building, right? We might have those moments, but in order to really enjoy the movie, We kind of suspend our sense of disbelief. We suspend our knowledge that these are actors and that people paid tons and tons of money for special effects. We know that that's the case, but we actively choose to suspend our knowing of that so that we can enjoy the movie. 
And that is a lot like what our kids do when we tell them that the Santa Claus thing is a game that we all have fun together and play at Christmas time. Our kids still enjoy the holidays. Our kids still find magic in this amazing season and in this make-believe game because that is literally how their brains are wired. It's really no different than pretending to be Elsa or Batman or Mirabelle from Encanto. And I will say this too. Once we had that conversation with our kids, we didn't make it a point to say, oh, but by the way, this isn't real. Oh, but don't worry. This is just make-believe. We let them know the truth. And then we all had fun and engaged in the game together. We wrote letters to Santa. We baked cookies for Santa. We did all the things we would normally do. And we all enjoyed the playfulness of this game together. And I am also thrilled to report that our elf Zippy made her grand entrance back into our home for the holiday season yesterday. And our kids were so excited. They could not wait to wake up and find out where she was hiding. So I feel like it's just become more and more clear to me in the year since we've had that conversation with them, that having that conversation diminished nothing for them. They still feel all the joy and the magic of the holiday season because That joy, that magic is not dependent on Santa Claus being real. We together as a family create that joy by playing this game together and our kids willingly and happily forget that it's a game and get into it just like they always have. Now, one question that I got when I shared this story on social media last year was, what do you do if you do sit your child down and tell them the truth and then they insist that you're wrong, that Santa Claus is real? Well, in that case, you've done what you set out to do and you can let it go. Your child can believe whatever they choose to believe. Now, I am not telling you that you have to sit your kids down and have this conversation with them. I am not saying that. That might not feel right to you. And that is 100% okay. You absolutely do not have to have this conversation with your kids explicitly in order to do Santa in a way that is respectful and aligned with your values. Full stop. You get to decide. But here are a few things that I would encourage you to do. First of all, at some point, your child may have questions for you that are very direct. Mommy, is Santa Claus real? Daddy, does Santa Claus really fly through the sky at night and bring presents to our house? When this happens, the first thing that I would say to my child is, well, what do you think? And then I would listen and hear what my child thinks. If your child says, yeah, of course I think Santa's real, then you can leave it at that. But if your child says, well, I don't really think Santa's real, and then presses you, is he? Then that is your child asking you directly for the truth. In that situation, my strong recommendation would be to answer honestly to say something along the lines of, no, Santa Claus isn't actually a real person. Santa Claus is a fun, make-believe game that we all play together at the holidays. Mommy, is the elf real? Does she really fly back to the North Pole every night? Because I don't really think she's real. Is she, Mommy? No, the elf is just a doll, but we all love to pretend that she's flying back and forth every night and getting into so much fun mischief. A lot of kids may start to ask these questions around seven, eight, nine years old. And some kids never ask. They may suspect, but they won't directly ask you. Some kids may ask way sooner and some kids might not ask until later. But that's a general 
guideline because around age eight is when kids are starting to have a more clear grasp on fantasy versus reality. They are starting. They are still very much able to enter their fantasy world and play, but they are starting to have a clearer grasp than they did when they were, say, five. And so you might get those questions. When that happens, get curious. Ask your child, what do you think? And then if your child presses you, if your child says, I don't think this is real, I would just encourage you to answer your child honestly. Your child might feel sad. Your child might feel disappointed and you know how to hold space for those feelings. But I think it's really important that our kids know that when they need the truth, that they can come to us and that they can trust that they will get the truth. It's not unlike talking to our kids about hard things. I've talked a lot on this podcast about how our kids are not scared by information that we share with them about something that's going on in our homes or in the world around us. Kids are scared when they can't trust the adults in charge to help them make sense of what's going on. When kids are left to their own devices to draw conclusions about what's going on. When our kids feel alone with big, heavy feelings. And so when your child is asking you direct questions about Santa, I encourage you to answer directly as well. And your answer can be matter of fact. It doesn't have to be this big sit down conversation or this big drawn out, oh gosh, I knew this was coming. Well, let me sit you down and tell you this hard reality. It doesn't need to be presented like that. You can literally just say, nope, Santa's not a real person. He is a magical, fun character that we like to play make-believe about every Christmas together. That's it. That's all you have to say. And then, of course, if your child has follow-up questions, you can answer those. But you don't need to go into more detail than that. So again, you so do not have to sit your child down and have this explicit conversation with them about Santa. But I would encourage you, if they're directly asking you, to first get curious and then to answer honestly. My next recommendation for doing Santa in a way that feels respectful is that if you are going to do Santa, please do not use Santa as a judge of your child's behavior. This is what we all grew up with. There's even the song, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not shout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. We still hear this song every year during the holidays, and the idea of Santa is watching you, you better be good, is so ingrained in how we tell the Santa Claus story that it's hard to separate. And when you think about how most of us were raised, this idea of Santa is watching you and you better be good makes so much sense. We were taught, either implicitly or explicitly, that good kids don't have tantrums, good kids don't cry in public. In fact, maybe good kids don't cry at all, and good kids definitely listen to their parents no matter what, no matter what they're feeling, no matter what their needs are. This is how we grew up. And so for us, I think it just makes so much sense that Santa Claus was part of that, this judging, shaming, punishing culture of parenting. And here we are trying to do things differently. So can we remove that entire element from this Santa Claus idea? That the elf is not running off to tell Santa, ooh, Susie and Lamar were so good today because they didn't have a meltdown when their parents said no. That Santa is not ultimately dividing kids up into the nice list and the naughty list. That all kids are good and that all kids are going to get something special from Santa. That is so important in our messaging around Santa Claus. 
I know it can be hard to stop saying things like Santa Claus is watching or the elf is going to tell him if you do that to your brother again. I know it can be hard. The holidays are a time when our schedules are different. Kids are having more treats, maybe sleeping a little less than usual, and behavior can go downhill quickly. So it can be really convenient to use Santa Claus and the elf on the shelf to control your child's behavior. But remember, controlling behavior is not our goal. Raising resilient kids who can feel all of their feelings and who are ultimately learning how to regulate these big emotions so that they can do the right things with their feelings over time, that's our goal. And we won't get there by trying to control behavior. Remember, behavior is communication, always, and at the holidays too. Behavior is communication of how your child is really doing. So if you're going to do Santa Claus, if you're going to do the elf on the shelf, make sure that your messaging is that all kids are good. Santa and the elf love all kids and no one's on the naughty list. Let's all agree to drop the whole concept of the naughty list as we pass Santa Claus and the story of Santa Claus on to future generations. Another strong recommendation I have if you're going to do Santa Claus is to never force your child to sit on Santa Claus's lap. I know it can feel so important to get that picture, but it is not so important that we forgo our child's bodily autonomy. We really want to enforce the message to our kids that you are the boss of your body. If this makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to do it. We don't want to send our kids the message that even if your body feels uncomfortable, you do this to please me or somebody else. That is not a message that we ever want to send our kids when it comes to their bodily autonomy and their consent for touch. Full stop. Also, while we're talking about this, please don't post a picture of your child crying on Santa's lap on social media. I know So many of us have pictures of ourselves doing exactly that, and it can feel like a rite of passage, but it is not a rite of passage. And I know this might be hard to hear, but what it actually is, is a grown-up, a person in power taking a child's vulnerable emotional moment of protest because their bodily autonomy was violated, and then putting that out there for people to laugh about. That to me will never feel respectful. If you've ever done that, you're still a good parent. It's okay. You probably weren't thinking about it in these terms, but now that you know better, you can choose to do better for your child. So to recap, it is 100% your choice, whether you decide to present Santa Claus as a real person or as a fun game that you play, but whatever you decide to do when it comes to that, my strong recommendations are not to use Santa Claus or the elf on the shelf as a way to try to control your child's behavior. To be honest in your response if your child presses you for answers about Santa Claus and never to force your child to sit on Santa Claus's lap against their will. Those are the things that I think really matter when it comes to doing Santa Claus and elf on the shelf in a way that is respectful to our kids and aligns with our goals to raise resilient, confident kids. Now, I sometimes get asked about what to do when maybe an older child comes to you and says, is Santa Claus real? And you let them know the truth. How do you then handle this idea of the loss that they might feel or how they might present that to younger siblings if you're not ready to sit them down and tell them that this is not real? How do you handle that? 
So one thing that I love that I've heard of a lot of people doing is that when your child is old enough to start to question Santa Claus and whether Santa Claus is real, that you do tell your child the truth and then you let them know, you know, now that you know the truth about Santa Claus, you have a really important job. That is that you get to become a Santa Claus for all the kids who don't know the truth yet. You get to help find ways to make this season magical now for other people, to be a Santa for other people in your life. And then you can ask your child, what is one way that you can be a Santa for someone else today? And that might be helping keep the magic alive for a younger sibling, or that might be doing something to give back to their community. I just think that's such a nice idea, this idea of giving back, of collaboration. And isn't that really what the holidays are about anyway? Togetherness and giving back to others. So you can let your child know that they now get to be a Santa for others. Now, another common question is, okay, let's say my child knows the truth about Santa Claus. How do I handle them going to school and possibly encountering a child who does still believe Santa Claus is real? I always think of the scene from Prancer where Jessica, the main character, says, Santa Claus is real. And her best friend, Carol, says, no, my mom told me he's not real. And Jessica is just crushed because to her, believing in Santa Claus as a real person is wrapped up in her connection to her late mother. And so it feels really important for Jessica to believe that Santa Claus is real. And Carol insisting that Santa Claus is not real because her mother told her so kind of takes something away from Jessica in that moment. And so you can tell your child, and this is true, not just about Santa Claus, but about so many things in life. It's okay for some people to believe that Santa Claus is real. It's okay for other people to believe that Santa Claus is not real. Some people aren't going to do Santa Claus at all. Some people don't celebrate Christmas and that is all okay. There are going to be so many times in life that you encounter people who believe differently than you do. And that is okay. We can still be kind and we don't have to challenge other people's beliefs. You can believe what you believe and they can believe what they believe. And you don't have to challenge each other or tell each other that you're wrong. You can just both choose to believe different things. So if you talk to someone at school who believes that Santa is real, it's okay. You don't have to tell them that they're wrong. In fact, this is one of those moments where you can be a Santa for someone else and say, oh, okay, cool. And that's that. So that's one way you can prepare your child for encountering others who don't believe the same as them, not just about Santa, but about anything in life. Now, one last thing that I would encourage you to do if you choose to do Santa in your home, no matter what your child believes about whether or not Santa is real, is not to give the biggest, most expensive, most exciting gift as if it's from Santa. And here's why. I mean, first of all, I personally like to take the credit for giving my kids the things that I know they're going to love. But also, and more importantly, not every family can afford the same types of gifts. And so when kids compare notes about who got what from Santa, we don't want it to seem as if Santa somehow values our child more than someone else's child simply because our child got some bigger, more expensive gift. So I try to keep the gifts from Santa reasonable, something small, something simple, something my child will like, but the biggest, most exciting, most expensive gift, that's going to be from us. And that way there's no direct comparisons. Okay. So I know that was a lot of information. I know this is a controversial topic, but I hope this conversation helps you to feel supported in however you choose to do Santa and whether you choose to do Santa with your child. 
And stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to talk about navigating holiday gatherings. And we're doing this in a two-part series. So next week, we're talking about how to interface with people who might not parent like you do. And then the week after that is all about how to navigate holiday meltdowns and how to do holiday gatherings with our kids' schedules and needs in mind. So you're not going to want to miss these two episodes. Definitely stay tuned. So that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.